0: Welcome, everyone, to the B2B Marketing Perspectives podcast. I'm Steve McDonald, your host. And when I tell you you're going to get a very unique perspective today, I am not kidding. We have on Aaron Ballou from Split. Aaron is the CMO of Split. And we're going to talk about a subject matter that is all about abandoning what we as marketers, as CMOs, hold dear. And when I say that you're gonna get a really interesting perspective, Uh, Aaron is actually a PhD in electrical engineering and made the transition over to marketing, which is not the typical career path. Uh, But Aaron has a way of thinking about things. And uh, we're gonna talk about a concept of forced learning. We're gonna talk about all kinds of things that uh, Aaron has learned. And learned recently, and has a very, very interesting perspective on. So, there's a good buildup for you, Aaron. Maybe give us yeah. just a little bit of uh, uh, maybe uh, more of a background insight into who you are and how you got to where you are here today. Before we kind of get into the to the meat of the subject.
1: Okay. Well, thanks for having me, Steve. It's nice to nice to talk with you. Um, yeah, I was I was an engineer by trade. Uh, I was going down a, a fairly academic path potentially. And uh and I love, you know, math. I, you know, I was pretty good at it. And sometimes you get into a thing that you're good at, and there's certain reinforcing, you know, factors in your life that just keep you going down that path. But when you're a young person, you know, there's so many different possible paths you could have gone down. So and I still love math and engineering and science, but there were so many other things that that also it kind of inspired, you know, my my mind. And um so as I went through this this engineering career I, I also uh, you know I got into a professional engineering um, role and actually a sales engineering role eventually which was really interesting because it exposed me to the idea of go to market and selling and interact and I really enjoyed just interacting with people and seeing all the different projects out there like behind the scenes um, and so that's you know long story that we can talk about sometime but I got an opportunity to go into technical marketing at one point to be the engineer who likes to talk to people and sort of uh, translate all the techie stuff and the capabilities into something that, you know, makes sense and means something and is understandable and, and valuable to people who sometimes we're also engineers, but sometimes we're not. Um, and that turned into, uh, you know, my new profession, which, which I've run with ever since. Well, fantastic.
0: And that explains a lot in terms of, you know, you were translating something very technical um, and make it very understandable. And mm-hmm. what we're going to talk about here today is something that is a new way to think about what we've always done. And we've all heard about the marketing playbook and everything, right? Tell us a little bit, because I think in this, in this day and age, Right, the, a lot of us in our marketing departments were, we're restricting, right? Our budgets are shrinking. We're trying to do more with less, get more efficient. Um, but within that process, you had some pretty big discoveries. Maybe tell us yeah. just a little bit. Give us the kind of the, the overall, you know, the thousand foot level, and then let's dive down deep into it. But tell us what happened, at, you know, kind of the, at the top end of the story here, and, and what you learned
1: yeah what i mean what's happened is what's happened to you know hundreds and hundreds of other i'll just say companies but in my world i'll call them tech companies you know these high growth tech companies maybe startups late stage startups you know all all powering through to some exit or ipo um investing heavily towards you know heavy growth and the world has changed for us and the mandate is not just grow 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 at all costs you all can finish my sentence at this point it's to shift towards a path to profitability it's towards efficiency it's towards lowering your your cac and your your kind of cost structure um it's you know it's it's a dynamic that is very directly linked back to kind of the availability of cash the cost of cash and all that economy stuff that that we're reading about every day so we're part of that you know and there and these massive shifts in our industry our our kind of microeconomy. There's a lot of correlation, like there's a lot of correlatedness um, or synchronization in when this all happens because many of us share uh investors through our boards, you know, some of us are sort of PE backed or whatever, but we're all part of these like portfolios. And when this, you know, wise good advice comes down from 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 people who are in the know and seeing the patterns emerge and emerging, you often see them synchronized. So you know nobody's throwing out just blanket statements but the right answer for one may often be the right answer for another when you have a similar profile and so we're all in this massive shift to um, becoming highly highly efficient it's it's really a significant change and it changes the kind of business that you're you're running Um, and it removes a lot of the room for um, you know certain patterns you know maybe getting away with certain norms and standards and frameworks things that everyone has been conditioned to deploy you know that we've learned is is best practice we've learned from the there was a blog post or there was a conference talk about it and this is what you're supposed to do and we all learned that and we know that all our peers are out there doing that and what comes from it is a certain media mix you know you have certain different functions within your organization you know everyone does these things because you're supposed to and you've got the money for it And the cost or the risk of not doing those things seems like a fairly high opportunity cost. And why wouldn't you do them? Because you have the money for it. So you want to be on standard, right? You want to be doing best practice industry standard. Um, Well, this, this whole second
0: guess you, right? Because there's, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. That's why they hired you. And those things are helpful. You know, they're helpful, especially when you're learning, but they're really helpful to give you some confidence that these hard decisions you're making are likely to be the right ones, but that's not what is going, you don't have that room right now. You know, right now, the shift is so extreme, much more so than than a normal shift, where it's cutting deeply into your ability to just do things on faith or on pattern or, you know, because of tradition, um, because those are the norms. Now you have the opportunity to find out something that in past times, it might not have been wise to run that test. You would never have run that test. You would never have pulled out a certain thing from your from your plan because why would you? It's just what everyone does. And if, and if you don't, then all the good things that are that you believe come from it won't. You know what if they don't come? But now you're in the in the in the place where you you kind of have to test it. Um, so this is a this is a time to learn what what really was the impact.
0: So give us could you give us a a real world example of one of these things that was part of the playbook, right? That, yeah. that had to get taken out. And, and what the learning from that was, because it's mm-hmm. this idea of, a, a, I call it a forced experimentation, right? Yeah. you're experimenting with a significant part of the playbook that you never would have before, the risk would have been too high, why would you do it? Nobody's asking you to do it, mm-hmm. but you're forced to do it. Yeah. What happens when you have a a personal experience in this?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah. There's a couple of examples. I'll pick on the examples where I think all the marketers, you know, in the room know, like we know we've lived it, where there's a certain amount of attribution and demonstration of ROI through sourced pipeline or influenced or whatever that you can do, but the cost, you know relative to that is not quite enough to to really make you feel great about it so you fill in the rest with the theory and the framework and the best practice even though you know you can't it's not going to be easy to measure those things you know it's not going to be easy to prove those things to your CFO who is really looking for strong evidence so so you you kind of make an appeal to standards practices and the and the very plausible the very sensible theory of how the machinations must work behind the scenes even though it's very difficult for us to observe those to measure them so for example you know expensive trade show sponsorships are one um, where you go you scan badges at the booth you generate leads and pipeline and some ROI but they're also very expensive these shows and so, so to 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 bridge the remainder of of that gap in the in the story you appeal to again very plausibly well but you need to be there and be seen you know if you're not there your absence will be noticed and people will walk by and see you they may not scan or become an opportunity right then but it's a multi-touch journey right they they'll then check you out in some other forum they'll see and then there'll be some recall like they'll see your social post and remember you because they saw you at the at the trade show and then they'll come inbound and and that value is material very hard to quantify, very hard to prove, but it's very compelling, it's convincing, and it helps to justify those hard, those hard ones. You know, some things are easy, some things are hard, and that's one of the harder ones. You know, in my example, in my case, we that that was one that I had to wrestle with. Another was um, you know, programmatic display advertising, for example. You get some click-throughs, you get some leads, you run a lead generation-oriented version, you run an awareness-oriented version. We all know how, how it works. Um you build your audience pools you experiment you know with 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 broader or narrower do all those things of course um, but the actual click throughs even through the lead gen they're never quite what you hope they would be and when they do click through and they convert to a lead those don't those aren't usually the ones converting at a real high rate that are feeding the kind of sales pipeline they're part of the mix but you fill in the rest of the story with But awareness, you know, they may not click, but they'll see it. And then they'll come inbound and and it'll actually show up not only in, like, say, paid search. It might show up in organic search, right? It'll look like organic search. Like, they just showed up. Because they didn't click, um, you might call it a view through conversion if for some reason you're able to tell that they were the one that you served it. Or maybe they clicked but didn't convert. You know, all the things that are done to try to create the breadcrumb trail. But you appeal to there's value there, though, even though it's not the main thing, you know, the, the leads, there's still that value there. Well, that makes sense. People have to be aware, else why would they come to your website? So, you know, I was confronted with this question. Look, I've got to cut some funding in various places. Um, how much... Like, I already know the obvious. I know what directly comes through programmatic display. I already know what comes through retargeting. I already know what comes through the event trade shows. I know that part. What if I were theoretically to remove that? What's the remaining incremental value that was coming through those unmeasurables, right? Coming through inbound, coming through organic search. And we we tried, it was very hard to kind of infer what it would be, but we kind of roughly estimated it was about 10% for us.
0: So, 10% was when you took those away, there yeah. was a detrimental 10% to mm-hmm. another area of the business.
1: Yeah. Would it hurt my inbound? Would it hurt right. organic search? Right? right. And those kind of, you know, contact us and demo request conversions, that kind of stuff. Um, so, we you roughly estimated know 10
0: Unless you actually just remove this.
1: Yeah. Right? You, you wouldn't know unless to... you were forced to remove it because you would never actually run that test. You know, you would never just pull it out of your mix. No. Um, you would, because you didn't have to, I mean, it's a compelling enough argument, but now we're in this situation where you really are forced to make some really hard decisions. So you almost, it's like, in a way you have a freedom to try. And we found out it wasn't 10%. It was more like 15%. It was more than we expected. So I actually saw an initial dip in organic inbound, but, but it was good to know what it actually was. Right. And then build Instead back up from
0: there. Hypothesizing. Right.
1: Yeah. Instead of just going off of the belief and the patterns um, and, and the consequence of it is it, it you know, it, it doesn't change the fact that I love being at a trade show. I love working a booth, you know, and for the right ones, you know, maybe we would, we can do that. Um, I love the creative on ads and all that. doesn't mean I don't believe in those things that to some extent, but by getting a really quantifiable and reality-based view of, the contribution like the net the kind of marginal contribution um now my cac my marketing cac has come down dramatically like i'm able to grow at not just a slightly to, you know like a 15 percent more efficient but like a 40 percent more efficient kind of order of magnitude it's really challenged us to find some things some, some insight that we would have been kind of afraid to find afraid to seek
0: explain the this 40% efficiency right so mm-hmm. you would talked about like when you took events away but then you became more discerning on when you start yeah. adding that back in because it was part of the playbook there's kind of maybe a bigger world of events that you were being a part of that you weren't you know as discriminating on in terms of should we be there or not so as you're adding elements back in, as they were taken out and you're adding back in, explain how you're achieving this efficiency. Kind of like mm. make the connection a little bit more for it, if yeah. so you could. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, that's a that's a good point because it's not all just based on like show me the data, you know, sort of after the fact. Um, we actually went to first principles, okay, like deep into first principles, which is segmentation targeting positioning like who really is our target you know we were going we were going to a calendar of events and and this discussion is not intended to like particularly be picking on events again I love events I love supporting events Um, but it's just an example Um, and we were going and following the kind of event calendar that that we knew our competitors were at you know it's like well you have to be there that's where we are right Um, and there were some that we believe was kind of our core audience. There were some that we thought, you know, these are important, potentially influencers. You know, it's like close enough. There's overlap there. We'll see a lot of our people there. And then maybe there's more. Um, now I, you know, when you go back to first principles, this, this is a thing where actually everyone outside of marketing expects that you are doing this, right? They expect that you have this on lock. But if right. we're honest with ourselves, and I know a lot of marketing leaders and behind the scenes, like sometimes there there are certain patterns in place that it would actually, even if you, I mean, there's just not a lot of realistic likelihood that you're gonna be able to not renew with event X because it's just something people believe in so much. You know, it's like, well, you gotta be there. So what's the point? Um, but when we go down to first principles and we realize like, wait a second, let's be really, really honest and precise with ourselves. Who cares about this and what do they need to hear from us so that they would care? What makes this really mean something to them? It started to really separate for us. You know, what is, what is a good investment for us versus these other things that were, I can get it across the line with a combination of analysis and belief. Like let's just get really real here about who are we who are we really trying to talk to? Um, so you know Are you it,
0: trying to like I I'm gonna give you a layman's uh terminology of this? Yeah. It forced you to start cutting some of the fat, right? The things that we were doing that we didn't have to be as discerned on and they were expected. So it was almost like a risk not to be there just because it was a part of that playbook, right? not because it met first principles. Yes. And what you're saying is if I have to cut and when I add back if I adhere to my first principles, the targeting, the personas, exactly yeah. what, who my ICP is, exactly right. what they need to know, how do I make the connection with them? That's where you're gaining the efficiencies. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that- that's, that's a way to put it. Um, and, and the only reason I, I didn't say fat maybe is because it's, it's not necessarily fat for everyone, right? There's all these things that are cut. They do have some value. But the difference is, does it have enough value versus the cost for you when judged against your first principles, right? Because it's great for someone. It's in the bullseye for someone. It's just not in the bullseye for me. And right now we're compelled to really try to stay deeper in, in the bullseye.
0: And you said something within this about, you know, what do they really need to know from us? What is our message, right? Yeah. And That that is the content that you create that you deliver, and so when you talk about first principle, how does that apply to content?
1: And Um, yeah, it it applies in in a pretty big way. So, you know, one of the consequences of the choices that I've made, which are not necessarily choices everyone else would, but of pulling back on certain forms of like paid media, you know, channels, is I'm relying a lot more on content um, and the way we kind of describe it, you know in my in my team is like, is it content worth consuming? Is it something worth hearing? Yeah. you know, is it actually is it worthy of someone engaging with and enjoying and learning from um, which is not always the recipe book, right? or wasn't in the past. you know, sometimes it was about certain other technical factors to just get in front of people and frequency and that stuff. Um, so we're really focused on is this worth hearing to our audience? based on first principles what what are, what are they the things they really care about what really motivates them we actually went and did some market research to find out try to get our facts straight and not just go on gut but you know it enabled me in content for example um, to challenge some of the uh, you know the the playbook around analyst relationships for example mm-hmm. which for certain target audiences are absolutely essential but had become for everybody, for all the practicing professional modern marketers, you know, in B2B marketing or tech marketing. It's like, Oh, you have to have these certain analyst relationships, which I won't say the names, you know, and it just sounded absurd to not have them. It's, it's part of what you're supposed to do. That's why you have this marketing budget and there's always this, this carve out for this stuff. But when I looked at our specific situation in first principles, I, I, we found that, oh, my audience actually isn't seeking their information from that particular source in that particular situation. They're seeking it in a different way. And so what would have been, you know, a couple years earlier, an absurd thing for me to propose, like, why don't we just sever this relationship? Now we actually have, you know, I was able to make that decision because I was compelled. I was forced into this, this, this situation to to make those kind of decisions. And I think it was actually good for us. Now, again, it doesn't mean it's not ideal and amazing and perfect for someone else, but in my specific situation, um, it was the right choice for us to, to go in a different direction.
0: Well, I think this is another great example of, you know, what we talked about at the beginning, giving up as marketers, what we always Held dear, right? You know, how could we give up those endless relationships, right? I want to be in the magic quadrant. I want to, you know, I want to, these are important. I can't not do these. And those can be very uh, fear based decisions, right? Because Mm -hmm. what happens? What happens to the company? What happens to me if that's just a big mistake? So I love this idea of forced experimentation back to first principles and that it actually has yielded a real-life 40% increase in efficiency. I mean, that, that, that puts the cap onto the story here, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So what I want to do is I want to, I want to ask you, um, we've talked about a lot. We've talked about uh, you know the idea of this forced experimentation. We've talked about the idea of first principles. We've talked about rethinking things that we always had in our playbook. If there was though one thing that you wanted the audience to take away mm-hmm. from everything we've talked about here that's getting us thinking all in different directions, what would that be?
1: Well, I, I think it would be, um, you know, I, I'm not trying to be like the 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 playbook is dead, guy, you know, I'm not trying to throw that headline out there. Um, I think what I would say is, those, those playbooks, the frameworks, the best practices, those come together for reasons. Like they did work for somebody and somebody organized their thoughts, synthesized a lot of findings and gave us these patterns that we could use to get a good start. It helps us learn. It helps us, ins- it helps inspire kind of good thinking and, and not reinventing the wheel. And it's still our responsibility, you know, as the marketing professional, the practitioners, and even as the business leaders, right? It's our responsibility to really build our own best practice, our own framework for, for, from our first principles, you know, that because everyone else is expecting we are the ones to do that. So you have to do it. You can't just say anymore, well, we're doing this because it's industry standard. We're doing this because it's best practice. That really never should have been good enough. And now we're in a situation where it, it really isn't good enough. And so in a way, we're free to challenge those things. And it doesn't mean we're just trying to be postmodern and challenge everything that we know is, is, is right, but it is still our responsibility to go back to the ground, you know, the ground floor first principles, just like those, those of us who, you know, those of you who went to marketing school, like do that, <laughs> do that for your own company. So that the best practice or the framework or the whatever that you use for your company actually is fit for purpose, you know, and and it, and doesn't depend on slack in the system so that those imperfections that just kind of broadly apply you know can be covered up when applied to your situation
0: and you know i don't know what your opinion on this is but you know we're we're also another dynamic in all of this is that the playbook of late has been you need to be omni-channel right Mm -hmm. you need to be everywhere so that Automatically tells us inside. Okay, I've got to be doing more. If I'm not right. doing more, whether I'm adhering to first principles or not, I'm not doing my job. Yeah. Right. And you just that same, you know, discernment that you're talking about on traditional elements of the playbook have to be applied also to all the new channels, right? And right. and the the omnipresence, you know, that we need to have. But there may be very very uh, productive channels that we just need to double down on, right? And if we if we don't go omni-channel here or here, that that's not going to hurt us, right? That's not where our yeah. core ICP is. And just because we're hearing we need to do more, and I'm not not like you're saying, I'm not I'm not knocking an omni-channel in in any mm-hmm. way, shape, or form. I'm just taking to another level what you're talking about here, which is we really got to take a step back, and this forced mm-hmm. experimentation has said. I was forced to take a step back. I was forced to take things out of the mix and actually see what happened. And then yeah. how I doled them back, right? right? So that's we're we're being forced to do more when sometimes doing less is gonna yeah. get us where we need to go.
1: Yeah, my, my take on that idea is don't accept the idea of more with less. Don't do more with less. Do fewer things really well Yes. That matter. <laughs> do fewer things really well that matter. Don't do more with less. That's a silly, like it's 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 an impossible rock and hard place for in most situations. I won't say all situations, but that's that's certainly not my preferred mode. Is to just do more with less. Um, and you're right. Like omnichannel is a that's a thing. Omnichannel integrated marketing campaigns. You know, ABM, uh, intent, chat bots, all the things. Um, they all have value. But you don't really know how much value relative to the cost until you've you know really interrogated your first principles.
0: Well, this has been fantastic, Aaron. And if if people have questions, follow up for you, would would LinkedIn be a good if I shared a link to your profile on LinkedIn a good way to get a hold of you? Oh yeah,
1: that'd be great. Uh, I would love to hear from anybody.
0: All right, well, yeah. uh, thank you for coming on and sharing this, this definitely is a unique perspective that I think we the whole entire community of CMOs, we need to be scratching our head a little bit and thinking more about our first principles and and maybe even experimenting a little bit with some you know forced execution of things that we're right. doing, we should be doing and not.
1: Yeah.
0: so thank you for coming on and, and helping us think in a new way.
1: Thanks for having me.